0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, so really I told you that I was going to continue the Garden of Yearning, the Lost Princess, but learning the Daph Yaymi this past week, we came, apart, uh, we came across a piece of Gemara, and uh, I would like, even though I don't know if everyone agrees that you should learn Gemara with girls and women, but it's just a piece of Gemara, um... I'd like to share with you this piece of Gemara and what I sort of got out of this piece of Gemara. Actually, two pieces of Gemara. The Daph Yemi right now is in Baba Metziah. That's the middle Baba. Um, in the seventh parak, Haseichas And And um, being that we're in the Rishchidosh, last night was Rishchidosh, and today was Rishchidosh Av, the Yotzer of Aaron HaKoyen. We know that Aaron HaKoyen, one of his traits was Oyev Shalom, Radev Shalom, Macarvin, he, he he ran after making peace. He didn't wait till it came to him. And he also brought Jews close to Hashem. That was the job of a Kayane. And um, there's nothing more important than the nine days. We know that the first base Migdash was destroyed because of Avoidizarra serving idols, Sri Khazamim, people murdering other people, Gilear's immoral acts. And that base on first base on was destroyed. We got it back. Took 70 years, we were back. The second Beit Amir was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam. Sinas Chinam is the lack of relationships between one person and another, hating a person for no reason. Sinas Chinam, hate words for no reason. I just don't like this person. Why don't you like this person? I don't know why. She gets on my nerves. I just don't like the way she walks. I don't like the way she talks. Don't like her. But why don't you like her? I don't know. I just don't like her. You're not part of our chevrah, not part of our chevrah, right? So that's called sinas chinam. That's called just not liking someone for absolutely no reason. So I had a big question on this, and I hope to answer it tonight. So you're telling me the base Hamidrash was destroyed for sinas chinam? So if you don't like someone for a reason, that's okay. Well, it sounds like the whole Beit Hamidrash was destroyed because sinas chinam. People walked around and said, "I just don't like you. I don't know why." But if someone says, I don't like you, and I've got a reason why I don't like you. You're prettier than me. You're richer than me. You're taller than me. You do better in school than me. Right? i got a reason why I don't like you. You did something to me. You embarrassed me. You didn't invite me to your party. Right? That's okay? Of course not. Of course it's not okay. So, what does that mean? And we'll see by the end of the night in Hashem, I hope, that any sinner, that any hatred is always Bechino. There's no reason in the world that you could come up to me and give me. There's no reason in the world to hate another Jew. There's a reason to hate Amalek. There's a reason to destroy Amalek. There's no reason in the world to hate another Jew, whether the Jew smacked you, stole from you. Whatever they did, there's no reason to hate another Jew because, because, why do you hate someone? Let's say someone stole something from you. Someone embarrassed you. The truth is that unless God signs off that someone can steal from you, nobody can steal from you. If you have $100 in your pocket, you're not supposed to lose it. There's no one in the world that can take it away from you. So when someone steals from you, it was written, written in Shemayim that that $100 should be stolen from you. Whatever that other person did to you was written, so why, so, so why does that person get punished? The answer is because the reason Hashem used that person to do what they did is because that person is Ruggled, that person is a ganav. Hashem is not going to come to me, or maybe not to me, but Hashem's not going to come to Rabbi Moshe Feinstein over Shalom and use him to steal a hundred dollars from someone. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein doesn't steal, but he's going to use a person, right? This girl has to be embarrassed in public for whatever reason. She needs a kapara. It's a test for her. For whatever reason, Shemayim signed off. That she has to be embarrassed in public. is going to go look in the in the rooms of people, the neshamas, that go around and embarrass people. And that's what Hashem is going to use. And that's what it means, avera, gereris, avera, when you do a sin, it's going to cause you to be picked to do another sin. Now, do you still have a choice not to do that sin? Yes. But the percentage, since you do it all the time, the percentage is that you're going to do that sin. But the person who's being embarrassed has to understand that that person could not have embarrassed me if Hashem didn't sign off on it. And therefore, there's no reason for me to hate her. Yes, she has to ask forgiveness. Yes, if she doesn't ask forgiveness, she's not going to be forgiven. She's going to go to Gehenem. She's going to pay the big price for it. But me, as far as I'm concerned, there's no reason for me to hate her. She was a shliach. And you know what? If she embarrassed me in front of everyone, I didn't answer her. So I'm going to get Ghaned then. Just the opposite. I shouldn't hate her. I should love her. Today, there was a... Um, There was a boy who came to speak to me with his parents. He was about tshuva, and they're about, about, they're they're about but he's way ahead of them. He's way ahead of them. And his father is one of these people who's like, you know, for animals. So he's got a big problem with Shkita, with the whole, the whole eating meat, the whole Shkita, whatever it is. So, they were having a discussion in the car this morning. They came to talk to me about this. They were having a discussion in the car, and the mother was in the car with also a bali Chuva. And she asked the son, who's now in yeshiva, what's the difference between kosher and glot kosher? So the son began to talk about the slaughtering of an animal and sticking your hand into the body and pulling out the lungs, and and what the difference is. You have to blow up the lung to make sure there's not a sircha, to make sure there's not a hole. That's the difference between glot and not glot. They just look at it. In, in, in regular kosher, they just look at the lungs. In glott kosher, they blow up the lungs, and if there's no ear that escapes, they know that there's no hole. And he just started to talk about it. And his father said, Excuse me, I don't want to hear about the slaughtering of an animal, the lungs of an animal, the insides of an animal. I'm very sensitive to the feelings of an animal. So the son came and said, Rabbi Wallstein, it's not right. It's not right. My mother asked me to explain to the kosher in glott kosher, my father knows that I'm, I became religious and that I'm learning. It's not fair what he did. That he told me I can't tell him, I can't start talking about the animal. And I said, so you're learning good in yeshiva? He goes, yeah, I'm already five years in a big yeshiva. I said, you should have, when your father told you not to talk about the animal, you should have given him a big hug and a big kiss instead of being angry at him. I said, what do you mean? I said, because... He gave you the chance to do kibit of aim. He told you, I don't want you to talk about something. If he were to let you talk about it, maybe you would have gotten kibbutz of aim because your mother was asking a question. I'm not 100% sure. But your father said, don't talk about it. And you didn't talk about it. You should give him a hug and a kiss. What are you angry at him for? So a person has to understand that when something bad happens to you in life, when someone embarrasses you, or someone steals from you for whatever it is that he does to you, there's no reason to hate them. There's a reason to want your money back. There's a reason to be maybe a little bit upset that you were just embarrassed, but not at them. Actually, you should thank them because if you got embarrassed and you didn't answer back, you would just kind of oil in one second. You know how long it takes to get oil and this person came along and gave it to me in one second. So therefore, sinax chinam, hatred of another Jew. Is always bechinam. It's always for no reason. The, the nine days, thank you very much. Is this coming from, Wait, still coming from the mountains? She <laughs> Shh, unbelievable. She wants to give you two bottles. Two bottles. And it's cold this one. week. Very nice. Thank He's you very much. Temperature. I happen to be thirsty, so I can make a bracha. Batcha Amen. Amen. up in camp. Thank you very, very much. And all the girls in Camp Hask, I appreciate it. every week. They send me water from Camp Hask. Must be a brook or something running over there, I don't know. Anyway, thank you very much, I do appreciate it. So, the nine days that we're in right now is from the destruction of the base of Medish because there was a thing called Sinas Khinav because people were not sensitive to other people's feelings. And therefore, to correct it and to get to Tishabov, that we should have kurei Moyed, it should be called a holiday. It should we called the yontif, right? We should have a yontif. We should be mitzvah Shem next week, going out and buying meat, and 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 getting prepared for the big seuda. The seuda, I'm going to talk a little. I'm going to talk on Tisha about it. The yontif, right? Kurei Moyed, The yontif. Imagine on Tisha everyone walking around yontif, yontif, chak Can you Imagine Tisha B'av, It's amazing. There's Ratzah Shem this year. So, how, how can we make it into a yontif? How can we change this? The thing that we have to work on in the nine days and on Adam B'Av is how we treat other people. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is much tougher. God is much tougher in the next world. Believe it or not, we're all very busy in our relationship between us and God. How do I, how do, I do it? And how do you get Yerash Shemayim? And how do you get emuna? And, and I'm davening a little bit longer. And I'm buying an article so I understand what I'm saying. For most people, right, we know that we lack in our relationship between us and God. And we know we need to learn a lot more to get that relationship going. What we don't realize is that our relationship between us and other people in Shemayim, in, in heaven, after a person leaves this world... They're much stricter about how you treated other people than how you treated God. Why? Because you could always stand up. It's not an excuse that's going to work, but it might help a little bit. You can stand up and say, Hashem, I, I I, never saw you. I talked to you. I never heard you. I don't understand the mitzvah of fill tefillin... I don't understand this thing of lighting candles. What do candles do? Erev Shabbos. What's a candle, you know? It's not a birthday. Like, why am I lighting candles? I don't understand. sneers exactly. You know, pants covers you all the way to the bottom of your feet. Maybe loose pants are better than a dress. And I never understood that. I wasn't brought up that way. And I'm sure your malach, who's defending you in this great court case at the end of time, is going to try to answer up all kinds of things that... A human being, I'm, I'm, we say, right? I'm a worm, I'm a nobody, I didn't understand you, God. It might work a teeny little bit. But what are you going to tell Hashem when you embarrassed another person? That you don't know what it means to feel hurt? That you don't know what it means to feel when you leave out somebody because she's not in our chevra, so we're not inviting her, we're not going out with her? You know what that feels like when you are left out. What is your answer going to be? What's your answer going to be? I'm not a human, so I don't understand humans. So let's say, okay, if you're not a human, then you're already that We don't have to have a court case, right? You are a human. You understand the human. So how are you going to answer to Hashem that I didn't understand, that, that I heard her? What do you mean you understand you hurt her? It, it hurts you when someone does it to you. What kind of answer is that? So the din, the din after 120 years... The, the judgment of a person, a human being, a Jewish person in the next world, is much more focused on how you treat other people, and we are most of us are so much worse at treating other people than we are at treating Hashem, and that's why the Chafetz Chaim wrote all the svarim on lashon hara and talking bad about people because he understood that people are very lax when it comes to, and there's nothing to talk about. I remember. um when I, my, my mother let me have it over the head, I used to go and do chesed. She used to do chesed all the time. Whenever she called me, where are you? I'm doing chesed. Meanwhile, my grandmother, I never went to visit. So she said, I don't understand. You're visiting someone else's grandmother. What about your grandmother? Chesed begins at home. Yeah, I'm going out. I'm doing chesed. We want to make an Arnav, special chesed group. We're going to do chesed. In high school, 12th grade, 11th grade, you got to do chesed, right? You get credit. or you, well, you don't get credit. Then you go to seminary in Israel, and you got to do chesed. On Friday, you got to go to other people's houses, and you got to help them cook. Not chesed, I'm not ragging on anybody. I'm talking to myself. So the same girl was in seminary, and every Thursday, she left Neveh, or wherever she was, and she had to put in her six hours a week of chesed, or else you don't graduate. So she was peeling tomatoes and potatoes and cucumbers and washing and sponging, right, in Israel, sponging the kitchen and sponging everything and changing the baby's diapers to help the Shami home. And now she comes home from seminary and her mother says, Chana, Can you set the table? I'm too tired. Can you take care of your nephews and nieces? I'm very nervous about right now. I can't do it. True, not true. For sure, true. Not not talking about just seminary. All of us. We don't realize that Chesed starts at home that my mother and my father need my help. No. When you go out, it's a project. You help your parents, you're a loser. Help my parents, come on. That's a very, very big mistake. Because chesed really it's really true. Chesed, you know, same thing with husband and wife. I know husbands and wives, they come to me for shalom bayas. Right? They don't get along with each other. What are the two of them doing all day and all night? They're making shalom bayis for other people. I'm like, hello? No, I'm busy. I'm on the phone. I'm talking to this, and, and I speak to the guy. He's talking to this. Different people. They're busy making shalom bayis for everybody else, and they don't talk to each other. You have to focus in your life on the people around you. To your appearance. You get, a, you get a double a double whammy. Because you get a, a mitzvah of chesed, and you get a mitzvah of kibber of a, which says, The last people we help is our parents. We'll help the whole world, but we won't help our parents. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Same thing with husband and wife. They're busy helping the whole world. They don't get a chance to look at each other and realize that they need to help each other. I'm talking to myself included. Included. You know, you're going out, being Makai of the whole world. All right? Kira of camp. Jet camp. Camp Ura. we all over the place. Meanwhile, you have a second cousin who's not religious. Did you ever pick up the phone call that person? Ask all the councils in all these camps, who here has a second cousin or a third cousin that's not religious? Did you ever call her? We you ever try to make the car of her? It's not a project. It's my second cousin. But that's who you're supposed to start with. Or your first cousin, or your sister, or your aunt—that comes before some kid in a camp. And we just, no matter how much time, how many times—and I, I, I'm, I'm as guilty as everybody else—but you have to realize that that's where it starts. Chesed starts at home. And sinas chinam, fighting with your sister, okay, fighting with your sister is sinas chinam. It doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that sisters have to fight or brothers and sisters have to fight. That you have to fight with your siblings. Chas v'shalom. It starts peace. You want to go home and and do shalom? Start with your sister that you don't get along with. Chas v'shalom in a house that there should be two sisters that don't talk to each other. What that does to a parent? The destruction of a parent. Destruction of a family. So that's where it starts. So maybe in the nine days, instead of thinking of going out and making shalom... What I call aha vaschinam, love for no reason. Maybe we we need to focus in the next nine days on the people around us—our parents, our siblings, and the people around us who we don't help, who really we should help much more than anybody else. There's a Gemara, and you have to be very sensitive to other people's feelings. And and I learned this Gemara last week; it's in the Daf and it scared me, scared me very, very much. I, I don't get scared easy. But this really scared me. I want you to hear this Gemara. So we're going to learn a little bit inside Gemara. Nobody, if anybody ever asked you to learn Gemara, you could say you learned a little Gemara. So, there was someone, whose name was Rebbe. He was the Rebbe of Klai Yisrael. He was called Rebbe. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rebbe, he wrote the Mishnah. The Mishnah that we have, Gemara is the explanation of the Mishnaith, Mishnaith is the explanation of the Chumash. The Mishnah was written down by Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. His, his name was Rebbe. So the story like this. Oh my, Rebbe, Rebbe said, "Chavivin Yisurim." How beloved is suffering? Well, hard to understand this, com- this comment, right? I love suffering. Suffering is great. Okay. Kabal Ale Tlaser Shnei. He suffered for thirteen years. What did he suffer for thirteen years? Shis bit six years of kidney stones. You don't even know what six minutes of kidney, I know what it is. Six seconds of kidney stones, you go out of your mind. Six years where he suffered with kidney stones. Shva seven years he suffered with thrush. Now, we all know babies have thrush. Well, I had the mazzle. Mazel in my life as an adult about 15 years ago to have thrush as an adult. I lost 30 pounds in two and a half weeks. Thrush is a disease that you get from drinking from someone else's mouth, cup, bottle and it's a herpes, it's a type of herpes that comes from drinking something dirty. It is the most miserable, disgusting, painful disease that a human being can go through. You get pimples in your mouth, down your throat, into your stomach, and you you can't swallow water. Pretty much everyone who ends up with this ends up in the hospital on intravenous. You can't eat, you can't drink, you run 105 fever, you, you're spitting pus for two weeks. It's not normal. It is a sick disease. How did I get it? My mazel, I went to Bear Mountains with my every year, and I borrowed a canteen from a boy, not knowing that there's such a thing called thrush. And after I got sick, I went back to school and I asked the boys, um, the boy that I borrowed the canteen, I knew who it was from, because the doctor told me it comes from drinking from someone else's cup. And I said to him, were you sick or something, you know, on the trip? Like, what was going on? I drank from your canteen. uh, you almost killed me. And he said, said, you know what, Rebbe, I realized after I gave you the canteen... I shouldn't have given you the canteen because my mouth was full of canker sores. I was like, you gave me a canteen after you drank with canker sores? He said, yeah, yeah. So, so six years of, of kidney stones and seven years of this is something that no human being could, could handle. It's like beyond suffering. Wait till you hear what he did wrong to deserve this. It's going to scare you. It's beyond, it's beyond anyone in this room's understanding. 13 years of the ultimate pain okay this is what the Gemara says so the Gemara says that Rebbe Rebbe we know was very very wealthy and he had so many animals that the the guy who took care the stable man who took care of the animals was richer than the king of Persia says the Gemara where did he get his money from Rebbe said if you work for me you can keep all the animals manure and you can sell it as fertilizer so the Gemara is saying that there was so much manure, so the fertilizer, that this stableman became richer than the king of Persia. So Rebbe had a lot of animals. He was the richest Jew, we know that. He had a lot of animals. So the Gemara says that they that this stableman fed the animals. Fed the animals. And of course, when he fed the animals, they made a lot of noise. Specifically, right, when when Rebbe went to the bathroom and he had these kidney stones so that's when this guy fed the animals why? because he didn't want everyone to hear him screaming so as respect to Rebbe he should be screaming in the bathroom at the top of his lungs right when he's passing kidney stones so he, he specifically fed the animals when Rebbe went into the bathroom the animals were making a lot of noise says to Gemara even though he did that, Rebbe's noise, screaming, exceeded the noise of the animals. So the Gemara, he screamed so loud that the sailors on the ocean heard his screams. So he must have done something really bad. Let's see what the Gemara says. So the Gemara says... There was somebody else, Rabbi Allah Shimon, the son of Rabbi Hashemin, he also suffered a lot. But he says his suffering was different than Rebbe's. His suffering was me'avah, Hashem gave it to him, he didn't do anything wrong. Rebbe did something wrong. Fake the, the Gemara asks, Ayidei ma'isaholchuh, because he did, su- he did an event, he did something wrong, that's why these terrible, terrible pains came to him. Asked the Gemara, bo Maihi, what did he do wrong? This is what he did wrong, girls. Egwa. There was a calf. A baby ox. Veal. You know, we eat veal chops, right? So what's veal? Veal is a baby, a baby cow, a baby, a baby ox. So there was this baby, this calf. they were taking this little baby calf to shecht it, to have veal chops. Was it the nine days, right? The animal had an animal sense and it understood that it was going to be slaughtered. So it took its head and it put it under Rebbe's jacket. It got scared. They were about to shecht it. So it ran to Rebbe and it snuck its little head under his jacket. It was hiding, so to say, from the Sheikh. Of course, he was, was about to be shecht in two seconds. So, Amal so Rebbe turned to the calf and he said, Zil, get out of here. L'kach na This is what you were created for. You're an animal. That was the whole thing he did wrong. Your you Yeah, 13 years of the worst diseases. What did he do? He told the baby ox, hey, come on, stop hiding under my jacket. This is what you're here for. You're here to supply meat. We're going to make a bracha. We're going to have you, put you in the chulant, you know, for Shabbos. We're going to have veal ribs. And uh, it'll be the tikkun for whatever it'll be the tikkun. And that's what you're here for. Have a nice day. Listen to this Gemara. Omre <laughs> um, So they said in heaven, "Hoye b'loi k'merachem. Since Rebbe showed no mercy, let suffering come upon him. Now everyone's sitting here, they're like, oh, come on. Come on. <coughs> Big deal. That's what you're here for. So in the translation, of the Rishonim say something much scarier. And they say the following. There was a slight measure of cruelty in Rebbe's statement. Not all calves are destined to be slaughtered immediately. Right? Usually we let the cow grow up. Not every calf is destined to be slaughtered. Most calves grow up to be oxen and wind up pulling plows instead. You know, they they go ahead, they, they plow the fields. Now, while it's true that when an ox gets too old to pull the plow... That's when they shekht it and we eat the meat. First we use it and then we shekht it and we eat the meat. But we know that eventually this this animal is going to be slaughtered. It's going to end up on the barbecue. So this is what Shemayim said. According to what you're saying, Rebbe, that all calves are destined to be slaughtered. Some as calves, some as oxen after they grow. But they're all going to end up dying. So if you're going to end up dying already, what are you worried about? being slaughtered now, what's the difference? Now, later, what's the difference? That's where you're going to end up. You're going to end up in glotmark, You know, like, that's where you're going to end up. So what are you, what are you getting all upset about? That's my plug for glotmark. <laughs> so he says like this, that in Shemayim they said, according to you, Rebbe, since the calf should go to the slaughterhouse because eventually it's going to be slaughtered, then Rebbe, since one day you're going to die, you should die now. Not pain. Shemaim didn't say we should put you in pain. Shemayim said, Rebbe, you're making a statement. Hey, listen, you're going to end up dying anyway. So don't get yourself crazy. They don't, they don't, just get shechted now. So Shemaim, they said, Rebbe, you're also going to end up dying. Everybody ends up dying. So you should die right now. Which would have been a great loss to Klai So they had rachamim, And they said that the sentence of this kind of physical suffering will exempt him from premature death. You hear? You hear the punishment? Ladies, you hear the punishment of not having pity on an animal? You hear the punishment of telling an animal, hey, what can you do, you know? That's what you're here for. How many times have I heard in my life someone say, when a kid has a problem, someone say to that child, That's life, man. No, that's life. That's life. Stuff happens. Life, I don't want to use the word I used last night in the shit because all the guys jumped a little bit. (laughs) But you all know the thing that everybody walks around with. Life stinks. I'll use the word stinks. Life stinks. You know, you get that 64 on your test, which I hold, it should be a halacha in the Torah. How lucky the Torah should be that no Jew is allowed to give another Jew a 64. Because <laughs> if you can't find, as a teacher, one point to give that kid because they spelled their name right, or they wrote Baruch Hashem on top of the paper, or they used a piece of paper that had lines in it, or because I like you, I'm giving you a one-point curve. If you can't find that one point, then you're in danger in the next world when your scale is like this, and they're saying, let's find one good thing that she did, or thought of something, the going to say, her? After she gave that kid a 64? And she couldn't find one point? We should find a point for her? Yalla. Have a nice life. Take the elevator down. Shamayim, look at this Gemara. Shamayim works. Midah, and mida. You tell a kid, life sucks. You know what's going to happen? It's going to happen to your life. If you're going to tell a kid, that's life, man. And this I hear in this generation more than ever. Life's not fair. Have a nice day. That's it. Oh, come on, man. Don't give me a parking ticket. You know, I just pulled in. I'm in the car. You know I Hey, life's not fair. It's the way it is. I'm like, yeah? Mr. Parking meter man. (laughs) You just made a statement to Hashem that life's not fair. So when God treats you not fair, you're the one who wrote the Zerah, not Hashem. When someone tells another person, what can I tell you? I got the spot first. Ha-ha! Oh, but come on, you saw me waiting over there. Life's not fair. That's life. Then you're opening your mouth to Shemayim she said, life's not fear. Now guess what? Her life's not going to be fair anymore. Life's tough? Then your life is going to be tough. That's what happened in this Gemara. Oh, man, that is scary. Hashem, I don't think I ever gave a 64. It's very scary when you can't find something for someone else because then they're not going to find something for you. He was going to die. They were going to take him away from this world. Rebbe! Because he told an animal... The animal understands what he said. An animal speaks English. What did he tell the animal? For this you were born. The animal looked up to him and said, I don't know what you're talking about. doesn't speak English. But it wasn't the animal. When the, when the statement comes out of your mouth, it brings down... They take whatever comes out of your mouth and they take it straight to Shemayim. So when you say life's not fear, your life won't be fear. When you say life's miserable, that's the way it is, your life's going to be miserable. When you say, that's life. And then you come to Shemayim and you're praying for someone who's sick. They're going to answer back. all the malachim in a chorus. That's life. <laughs> and you're going to stand there and think, I'm davening, I'm davening, I'm davening. They're not listening to me. Yeah, because when someone asked you for something, you told them, sorry, that's life. Listen to this Gemara. There's a story brought down about Elioh Navi. And where Novi came to this house and they put him up. They didn't know he was Novi, because he comes dressed as a regular person. When I was a young kid, every guy that came collecting tzedakah, I thought he was Eliannavi. <laughs> found out the hard way that some of them weren't Novi, That's for sure. So he came to this house and they put him up and they gave him food and they took care of him. And it was, he, he never was taken care of, like, no one ever did chesed with him like this. He was, like, amazing. So, before he left, he asked the man, the husband, anything you want, I have a big karech at anything you want, I can get for you. What would you like? He says, I'll tell you the truth, that we want a child, and that we had one child, and um, we'd like to have another child, but for the last five years... No matter, you know, how much we try, we just, we're not, when she's not getting pregnant, And it seems to be that something in Shemayim is holding it back. That's just, she said, if you can do anything in Shemayim and talk to Hashem, then we should have another child. So Yanobi said to them, could you take me outside to the backyard? And they took him outside to the backyard. There was a chicken coop. And he said, where's the ladder for the chicken coop, for the chickens to go from the chicken coop to the floor? So the woman said, oh, that ladder five years ago, I had that ladder and the chickens were coming down and they were coming into the house and they were making all over the place and it was a filthy mess. So what I did is I took the ladder away and now they're all stuck in that coop and when they get big enough, we sell them. So Yanovi you know, said, I promise you, if you put that ladder back, in nine months you'll have a child. Now Vashayim brings down that Kakhoya. They had a child nine months later. He came back. They asked him what's going on. He says, very simple. He said, when you took that ladder away, these chickens... The baby chickens were stuck in the coop. They couldn't, they couldn't run around. They had no fresh air. They couldn't run around in the yard. So they were crying to Hashem. Their crying to Hashem was louder than you're crying to Hashem. So no matter how much you cry to Hashem that you should have a child, they didn't hear you in Shemayim because all they heard was these little chickens crying that they want to be able to run around. It is so scary. We're talking about chickens and we're talking about, we're talking about a goat. We're talking about an ox. we We're talking about chickens running around in the yard so the bein, is on a much much higher level because chickens don't have really feelings and an eagle doesn't really have feelings it has an animal's feelings but doesn't have a human's feelings how careful we have to be how we treat other people and especially the people who are very close to us those are the people we abuse the most the people who are far away from us, we treat them like kings and queens. The people that are around us, our parents, our brothers and sisters, our grandparents, our children. Those are the people that we're not sensitive to. Because you know what? We don't look at... It's It's I'm not going to do it. It's the biggest chesed. The biggest chesed. It's to take care of the people around you. So, that was one Gemara. The following page Gemara... Says another interesting story, totally on a different subject, but very important for tonight. So, a lot of people in this room are thinking, Oh, last week you spoke about Amunah, I got all kinds of Baruch Hashem, a lot of compliments. It's interesting, I never get compliments when I talk about Lashon Hara or Be'n Adam Nobody ever says, What a sheer! Because, like, oh, we know that, We're li- we learned that our whole life, you know, and be nice to your parents, and no, we want to hear about. Creature features like Kabbalah and angels and and Emuna. We don't want to hear about how you treat other people because that's like chol. That's like that's, that's like garbage. That's what we step on. And why is that what you step on? Because the Yetzirah knows that's the most important thing is Ben alman Chaverot. The Beis Hamidrash is two thousand two hundred or three hundred years non-existent because of Ben alman Chaverot. Killing people, serving idols, even going on the internet, even going on Facebook. Right? All that stuff. Hashem, 70 years later, he built another base on Bangladesh. You treat another Jew wrong, you treat another person wrong, we're still 2,200 years, we still don't have a base on Mekdash. It's the most important thing is being Allah Khaverah. I don't know if you could treat Hashem right if you don't treat another human being right. The Mishnah says, when a person leaves this world, if you want to know if Hashem loves him, if people love him, Hashem loves him. If people don't like him, no matter what kind of subject you think he is, if he didn't get along with other people, Hashem doesn't like him. Then there's something very wrong. It's a Mishnah, it's not my Mishnah. You think just the opposite. If you see a person's close to Hashem, did you know that they're a good person in this world? No. If you see a person who's close to other people, and they like him, and he gets along with them, then he's close to Hashem. If he doesn't get along with them, then he's not close to Hashem. So we have to work in the next nine days on al Malchaberah. So Gemara says like this, another story, which I think is very important in Chinuch and of our children, and, and, and it's a very important Gemara. The Gemara says the follow. Very wild story. So, Rebbe was traveling, he was a Rebbe, he was traveling and Rebel Lazar, the son of Rav Shimon Baichoy, everyone went to Marah. Rav Shimon next to him is buried his son Rabbi Lazar. So Rabbi Lazar died, and Rebbe went to the be Menachem Avol. He went to the city where Rabbi Lazar was, was, died, and he, he did Omar. He said he met the people there. Omar he said to them, "Yeshlo ben lo said tzaddik." Does this does this tzaddik Lazar have a son, like him? Omar they said to him. Yeshlo ben? Oh baby, does he have a son? Mm-hmm. And the Gemara says, <laughs> that in that city, the women of ill repute used to sell themselves for two dollars, two shkalim, whatever that was. And he, hear this, <laughs> this boy, the women of ill repute would buy him for themselves for h scholem. He was worth four times what they were worth. The Gemara was trying to show you how beautiful he was. He was the most handsome guy in the whole world. You hear? Rav Shimon, by Yehoi's grandson, was doing some really bad stuff. Rav Elazo, the, the son of Rav Shimon, by Yehoi's son would sell himself to the Zainas in that city for H-Golom. So I'm like, this kid was off the derech. <laughs> totally off the derech. To, to say the least. It's Gemara. The Gemara is very... Gemara is... says the way it is. So th- this is like amazing. When you learn this Gemara, this is Rebbef by Yechoi's grandson. All right? We go, Ba like This is his grandson. So Rebbe got this answer. Oh my goodness. So he, he was looking to find, you know, the Gadol died. So his son's also a Gadol. He gets this answer from them. What does he do? What do you do when you find out that you got a kid like this? What do you do? Right? How do you approach him? What do you tell him? He's he's in business. You know, he's making a lot of money over here. He's in a different world. He's he's in Vegas. And you're in Yerushalayim. am like, you know, hello? How's this going to work? What a lesson in Chinuchah. So what did he do? He went, Rebbe went ahead. Try to understand this. I see asmechei b'Rabbi b'ashalmei. Rebbe went to him and called him over and gave him smicha and made him a rov. Stigamora says he had the power as, as the Godel Hadar he gave him smicha for doing what? Do for doing nothing. For doing nothing. For being a bad boy. Yeah, yeah. Stigmar says. Yeah? He didn't send him to yeshiva. He didn't give him a Muslim shmuz. You're the grandson? Rav Shimon Ba'Yichai? This is where I find you? This is what you're doing? No. He walked over to him. and He said, Shalom Aleichem. My name is Rebbe. We're going to call you Rabbi. He gave him smicha. Okay? Let's see what happens. So, what do you do now? He gave him smicha. So he went ahead and he hired Rav Shimon ben Isi. Rav Shimon ben Isi was this boy's uncle. So Rebbe hired him and paid him as a Rebbe. Okay. omar. Every day this boy would say to his uncle, I want to go home. You guys are crazy. I'm a working boy over here, and, and you, and, and, you make me a rabbi, and now you send me to yeshiva. You guys got it all wrong. I want to go home. It's Gamora. Every day. Every day went to his uncle. So when am I going home? So when is this over? When are you going to find, figure, understand who I am? I want to go home. It's Gemara says. On my lay, so his uncle said to him, no, you didn't, it's Gamora. We're waiting for you to become a sage, a gadol. The galusa the Allah, And we're waiting to spread a gold garment upon you. It means spiritually. But Rabbi Karilah. And call you rabbi. What is the Gemara saying over here? And what happened when he said that? When he said that. He said, and he said, his uncle also said, And you keep saying like a baby, I want to go home to my city? What's wrong with you? The boy said to him, I swear, this matter is now over. I will not request to go home again. Kigodal, when he grew up, also, also, he asked him the Rebbe he came to the yeshiva. Of Rebbe Shmuel Lakale he asked a question. Rebbe heard this voice and Rebbe said, "Kolad demay the Rebbe by Reb This is the voice of Rebbe Lazer, the son of Reb Shimon by Yechai." Brihu. It's not Rebbe Lazer. He died. It's his son. And Rebbe said, "Pre tzaddik eats chayim. The fruit of a tzaddik is the Torah." This boy, who was the grandson of Shimon by became a Tana. And became one of the greatest people in Chal So the question is like this. Rebbe failed. Rebbe gave him smicha for nothing. Rebbe walked over to him and said, Hey Rabbi, what's going on? You're a rabbi. What happened when Rebbe gave him smicha so that he sent him to learn with his uncle? But he, did it. he said, I want to go home. I want to go home. And then when his uncle said something to him, All of a sudden he said, I don't want to go home anymore. You will never hear it again. What was the difference between the two? The difference between the two, in my opinion, just learning the Gemara, is a very big difference between the two. An argument that goes way back to the first week of Ornava in this building. When Rabbi Max, who, who teaches here, so, you know, there's many different ways of teaching the Torah. Not everybody is the same. And we were having a discussion. Maybe some of the girls were in that life coaching uh, class upstairs. And I was sitting in a life coaching class. And he was teaching everyone that the first thing you have to have when you meet a kid who's off the derach or needs help, the first thing you have to do is show them respect. To show them respect. When they walk in, you have to say, I'm amazed of what kind of person that you, that you are. And I'm like... What are you talking about? I was brought up. My father was a soldier in the United States Army. My father never gave me respect unless I earned it. I grew up in a house where you earned respect. You didn't get free respect. You earned your way. You didn't get a trip to the Colorado mountains because you're smoking on Chavez. You got a trip to the Colorado mountains because you learned 40 blocks of about path. But this generation is a generation where we reward negative behavior. A guy, someone steps out and there's a million people working with them and taking them places and doing things for them and the kid that's good that's doing what they're supposed to, everybody ignores. It's 100% true. 100% true. We swarm around people who, who are doing negative things. And around people who are doing the right things, we abandon them. Kids have told me, you gave me so much attention when I was doing the wrong thing. And uh, you know why I did what I just did? Because ever since I'm doing good, you're like, oh, she doesn't need me anymore. You don't call me anymore. So guess what? I just burned down my house. We're back. Because <laughs> that's the generation. The generation is. If I do something bad, I get attention. They do something good, nobody cares. So people do the most outlandish things. They'll cut themselves, they'll hurt themselves. They'll do all kinds of stuff to get attention. Because that's what gets attention. And that, that was, that's the flip in the generations. And the old generations, some of the ladies that are sitting here know exactly what I'm talking about. Not that they're old, for But we understood, we understood that if you want to get attention and you want to get rewards, you got to, you got to, you got to earn it. So we were having this little argument upstairs and most of the girls were of course on his side not on my side and I was like I don't give nobody respect unless they earn it. But if they earn it I'll give them respect they won't even know what to do with it. I'll do anything for someone who earns it. If you don't earn it I'm not rewarding negative behavior because the more I reward negative behavior, the more negative you're going to be. So Rebbe, when he met this boy he was a super life coach. He said What's doing Rabbi They must have wondered, wow, who ha? Right, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein asked the following question. The question presents itself: How was Rebbe allowed to do this? One is not allowed to ordain a man who is not, distinct or not a distinguished scholar and able to rule in all the areas of halacha. How could Rebbe walk up to this kid and make him a rabbi? He didn't know the first thing about learning. Furthermore, he is certainly disqualified if he is not a God-fearing person. What this boy was doing was not hear a Shabbatim. Rabbi Feinstein answers. And he says two answers. One, he was ordained. He became a rabbi in name only. In other words, it's like, you know, sometimes I meet kids, right? They're far from being a rabbi. I'm like, hey, what's up, rabbi? He just called him rabbi. He didn't make him a rav. But his second terence is, he says that Rebbe... It was Takem made him a rabbi, but it was conditional. It would take only effect when he was deserving of it. So that when he was deserving of it, he can walk around and say, I got smicha from Rebbe. But if he wouldn't be deserving about it, he couldn't say that. So what's the difference between what Rebbe did? When Rebbe did this, it didn't work, because after he did this, instead of the boy becoming a Tama and learning, every single day, the boy said, I don't like this. I don't want this. I want to go home. But his uncle did something else. If you look at what his uncle did, his uncle said, Rabbi made you a rabbi. They want to make you into a sage. They want to spread a gold garment upon you in order to make you a robe." And then he hit him with the word. And he said, and they call you rabbi. Yet a person who is called rabbi, how could you say I want to go home to my city. You don't deserve to be a rabbi if you complete fetch and say, I want to go home, I don't want to learn. you got to earn it. You're called a rabbi and we believe in you and you have potential. But you got to earn it. It's not just a name. And the boy realized that to become a rabbi that these people think I could become, I can't be a two-year-old baby and fetch every day I want to go home. i got to live up to what that person said. She's not here tonight. Our novel. Anything that you heard, any of my shurim, anything that I have anything to do with talking to girls or working in Kirov of kids who were born from. My whole life, I was teaching kids who weren't religious. Eighth graders from non-religious homes. It's very simple. It's not such a hard thing because it's sort of like like telling someone that this dessert is delicious and they never tasted it before, they're going to try it. But someone who was religious and now is not religious is the person who tried the dessert and didn't like it. So now it's much harder to get them to take a spoonful of that dessert again. Oh, I know that. Oh, I ate that last week. I don't like that. So I didn't deal with kids who came from a religious home and didn't like it. I dealt with kids who didn't come from a religious home. So whatever I taught them was something new. So they grabbed it. And seven, eight years ago, I think it's the eighth year anniversary, maybe seven years ago, on Tisha night when, when Ornava started, and exactly like this tomorrow, Ornava started Tisha night. I never spoke to girls, I didn't deal with girls, I didn't deal with kids like that at all, I knew nothing about kids on drugs, I knew n- nothing about such a thing, and I was invited by Rabbi Max to a place called Judah's Place on Quentin Avenue, which was a place for kids, girls and boys, after drug rehab, a place to get together, Jewish kids to get together and hang out and talk. Clean up drugs. But very angry. Very angry at society. Very angry at Judaism. Very angry at the system. And Rabbi Max said, listen, do me a favor. We're going to have a special tish above midnight. Come at 12 o'clock, and I want you to talk to my kids. I'm like, I don't know how to talk to kids who are on drugs, who are on drug, drug rehab. I don't even know what to say. I never did drugs. The worst thing I ever did was I took two Motrin's and then maybe an Advil. Like I don't know. <laughs> what am I going to tell these kids? He says no, no, no. You got to go in there and you got to speak to them. So, at twelve o'clock, I walked into this room. There were three boys and three girls. Nasty. They were nasty. They were angry. They were happy to see the rabbi because they were going to rip him to shreds. Attitude, two of them on the pool table, two of them on the couch, all over the place. I wasn't very comfortable. Nobody in that room was exactly dressed at all. (laughs) Tongue rings, piercings, tattoos, in your face, attitude. Huge attitude. Maybe like this little boy. He wasn't a little boy. Maybe like this boy. So I walked in, there was this little snippy 14 and a half year old blonde girl, straight off the streets, with a pack of cigarettes, you know, popping on the shoulder. It looked like a gobot, you know, like one of these things coming out of her shoulder. And I sat down in the chair nice and quietly and I was going to give my whole speech and my stories about Emuna and how you know there's a Hashem. And I had my red light story ready, my good red light story that always works, and my lawyer story, and maybe the story of the elevator, how you have to keep chugging up, and then all of a sudden when you give up, the next. I had all my story. I had my whole book, I remember. I'm like, you know, I'll pick, I'll see the crowd, and I'll pick my story. And this girl gets up. She walks over to me, and I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> She's all a 14 and a half. She goes. <laughs> She flips her tongue ring like five, six times, which I never saw before in my life, a tongue ring. I'm like I'm like she's got earrings from here to here, 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 here. They got more chains than metal in that room. I was a muzzle, I didn't bring a magnet. I would have brought a magnet, I would have had six kids stuck to my magnet. Right? I'm standing there, she walks up to me, she goes. I'm not gonna use the word of course, but you can figure out what it is. Blank you, man! Blank Judaism! Blank rabbis, and blank God! I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> ay, 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 I once heard in yeshiva a yeshiva guy say blank my Rebbe, because he was pretty upset, but in my whole life I never ever heard someone say that word together with God. I was like, whoa, but this was the big test because the other ones were sitting behind me going, yeah, yeah, like what's he going to say? And I said, Hashem, now. Send me what to say now. And I looked at her and I said, what's your name? Whatever it is, not important. I said, you're amazing! Like Rebbe said. You're a rabbi. You're amazing! Who? You're amazing. What do you mean? So now I had her unbalanced. I said, I came here tonight figuring it's 12 o'clock. I'm going to be here until 3 o'clock proving to you that God created the world and that there's a God. And you just got up and you said, blank God. That means you don't like him, but you know he's here. You didn't get up and say, I hate rabbis, I hate Judaism, and I hate Martians. Because you don't hate Martians, because there is no such thing as Martians. But you said, I hate God. I said, Baruch Hashem! You saved me three hours, I don't have to prove Hashem! You're amazing! Want to hear the red light story? (laughs) most amazing night of my life we sat there for four hours it was amazing Shem sent that message down I had no idea what to say I went outside afterwards it was like 4, 4.30 in the morning I figured myself oh my goodness I'm going to be up a whole tissue above it's not going to be easy and I said to this girl wow you were angry but you know what I've learned this over the years of teaching that anger is an emotion and hatred is an emotion and you can take hatred and turn it to love, it's very simple. It's just, it's just taking that power, that, that, that hatred, that emotion and just moving it to the left instead of to the right or to the right instead of to the left. You know in karate, I don't know how many of you took karate but I'm a black belt, fifth degree. No, I'm not. <laughs> They're like, wow. I couldn't kill a cockroach. <laughs> I'm actually a white belt, fifth degree. You start up with me, I run fast, very fast. But in karate, when I did take karate in my younger years, we learned that when someone punches you, if you go into the punch, it's going to break every bone in your body. What you need to do is to move back with the punch. And anyone who learned anything about self-defense or street fighting, so when someone throws a punch at you and that power is coming to you, if you move back and you use his anti, his power against you, and you take that hand that's moving towards you, and all you need to do is just keep it going where it goes, that guy that's trying to hit you will end up flying right by you on his face. No, this is true. And it's the same thing, it's the same thing with working with people, with relationships. When, you, when a person's swinging at you or angry at you, and you stand up and say, so why are you angry at me? You don't have a right to be angry at me. It's going to be a crazy fight. It's going to be a crazy fight. And everybody's going to get hurt. But when you, the person's angry at you and you step back, and it's like, okay, it's all right. All right, I understand what you're saying. It's okay. And you step back. Then that person has nothing to hit. That whole fight's going to be over very soon. You know, women get a little bit upset sometimes at their husbands because, listen, you're very special. All women are very special. We, we will never figure you out, ever. Um, most of us have tried and most of us have given up and we don't need to figure out you don't need to figure us out you don't need to figure out if you have Hashem and you, and you have Torah and you, and, you and, and, and you have all the spiritual stuff that's the Debek that's the glue between the two but you know us guys we know that we can't win we're losers even if we're fifth you know, degree black belts we know that if we have a fight with our wife then you're a mean person how can you fight with your wife what kind of guy are you you're a mentor you fight with your wife if you don't fight with your wife and she wants to fight with you then you don't even care enough about me to fight with me. <laughs> you can't win you can't win we know that but the truth the truth is the truth is that if you if you instead of fighting the other person you move back so so her energy of hatred was so high that I understood that if I could just turn this girl's hatred and turn that emotion we're going to have a girl here that's going to change the whole world so I did a terrible thing I have to be in front of all you I did a terrible thing that night Told her that you are absolutely amazing. You have the potential of—I never met a girl with such potential because I never met a girl with such hatred. So if we could turn that hatred, your potential is amazing. That you came at me and you weren't scared to back off and you let me have it. When you're going to see something wrong in this world, you're going to go after it and nothing's going to scare you. You have amazing potential. She was 14 and a half years old. She turned to me and said, Rabbi. What's your name? Wallerstein? Nobody in my life ever said that to me. And I walked away smiling to myself. I got her. She's going to change. How did I know? Because when you compliment someone, you also give them a conscience. When you tell a, a ball player, you're the best guy on my team, meanwhile, he's not. And he he's going to say, oh my goodness, my coach thinks I'm the best guy on the team. He's going to go out at night and shoot baskets all night till he becomes the best guy on the team. Because you gave him a conscience. You told him he's the best. And he knows he's not the best. So it's going to bother him. So in Chinuch, I've learned, not only Chinuch and everything, that when you give a person a compliment, right, you're also putting a great load on their back. Because when you give them that compliment, then if they don't live up to it, they fail. So you got to be careful who you tell what, but if you really think the person can do it even if they're not at that level if you tell them they're at that level you tell someone they're beautiful they're beautiful you tell the most beautiful person in the world they're ugly and they think they're ugly I love him Michael Jackson no no there's something to learn everything happens in this world for a reason Michael Jackson the guy dies half the world you hear me? No, no, it's not a joke. Time magazine, half the world, billions, I forgot the number, half the world watched his memorial. China, Japan, in the desert, the Arabs, watched Michael Jackson's memorial. Billions of people. At his concerts, people screamed, Michael, we love you! Hundreds of Thousands of people screaming, Michael, we love you. How could someone like that, how could someone like that think that nobody loves him? How could someone like that think that the whole world hates him? When the whole world is telling you we love you. So it says, I don't know if it's true or not true, that when he was younger, his father told him, you're the ugliest of my children. And from that day, it's a lesson. It's, not nothing. it's a lesson to learn. Even from this story. From that day on, he tried to change the color of his skin. Was he ugly? No. Was he famous? Yes. Did everybody love him? Yes. His father told him, you're the ugliest of my children. Finish. Finished his child. Destroyed his child. So Rebbe came and told this child, who was doing the worst of in the world, "You're not ugly. You're not a low life. You're a rabbi." Did it work? But when his uncle told him that you have the potential to be a rabbi, Rebbe thinks you're a rabbi. What are you doing? You can earn it. You can do it. The kid said, Really? I'm going to do it. You'll never hear me say, I want to go home again. And he became a Tana. That's how we have to talk to our children. That's how we have to talk to our students. That's how we have to talk to ourselves. This Gemara is not about Chinat. This Gemara is about what you tell yourself. If you tell yourself, that I can be this and this, then you can be that and that. If you tell yourself that I can treat people differently, and I can do other things that I never did before, then you can. If you don't, if you just you make yourself, you take a freebie course, and you're a big tzaddikista because you look like a tzaddikista, it ain't going to work. It's work. And that's why the uncle said to him, Rebbe gave you this name? Or Walstein told you you have potential and you're just going to walk away and become a drug addict again? What, are you crazy? Someone believes in you. You need to believe in you. That's number one. You need to believe in you because no matter how many people scream at a concert, Michael, we love you, His father did not love him and his father told him he's ugly. So no matter how many people said you're gorgeous, you're great, you're the best dancer and all the things that people told him his whole life, he died a broken man with painkillers. He was in pain. He died an introvert with billions of people watching memorial. He was an introvert. Why? Because when you think of yourself, the perception you have of yourself is your reality. No matter how many times people tell you you're beautiful, you're special, you're unbelievable, and right on the back of your pocket, you have potential, but If you don't believe it, it don't mean nothing. Just the opposite. It's going to make you hate yourself because she said I have potential and I don't think I have potential, so I'm not living up to what she said, so I'm living my whole life for this other person, and you end up living your whole life for the other person, and the whole life that you're living is false, is baloney. Because you're living it for your Hebrew teacher, you're living it for somebody else, when it's not really you because you don't really believe in yourself. Person has to believe in himself. That's what Hashem wants, even a Russia. The Mishnah says, Atas Russia." Even if you're a Russia, you never call yourself a Russia. You call yourself a Tzadik. You live up to it. You're not allowed to call yourself a Russia. You're not allowed to be depressed about what you're not accomplishing. You're not allowed to. It's a mission. You're not allowed to. You have to, the higher the goal that you give yourself, the higher you're going to be. So I want to end off. We're not doing the, the Garden of Yearning this, this week, of course. And next week, we're going to have a Tisha B'Ov Wednesday night. I hope not. But well, maybe we will. Um, and, and we'll continue with the Garden of Yearning after Tisha B'vosh. But I want to end off with a story. Very fast. It's late. Very late. Wow, it's very late. Okay. So let me, let me end up with the story. I'm going to tell it to you very fast. So it's an Avaz Chaim, if you want to look it up. Pagesh by Midbar. He says the following. He said there was a very rich man... He was a millionaire, and he had one son, and this son was a Russia, was a terrible, terrible boy, and this Russia, this boy lived and always went to a casino, a base Malone, where he went with his friends, and he ate and he drank and he got drunk, and he used to pay because his father was a millionaire, so he used to pay his friends, you know, drinks on me, cards on me, food on me, I got everything comped, everything's on me, and he used to waste all his father's money. His father was a big taddik. He couldn't watch this anymore. His father became very sick. And his father was dying. But this boy wouldn't change. No matter what, this boy wouldn't change. He was really, really bad. Bad to the core. So, one day, he was dying. He called into his house, the Kitsin the mayor of the city. He called in the people who support the city, and he called in the rabbis. And he also called in his son. And he gave the rabbis a million dollars to give out to the poor people. He gave the Parsonia here money to build bridges and he gave his son a million dollars too. And he said to his son that I'm giving you a million dollars but you, the minute I give you this million dollars since you made me sick like this I want you to leave my home. I don't want you coming back to this house for the next year. You're not to come back to this house. In a year from today you can come back to this house. And he took the keys to the house and he gave it to the head of police. My son is not to walk into this house. For the next year, and he died, and he died, and this boy went, right? He didn't sit shiver for his father. He didn't get along. He didn't sit shiver for his father. When he didn't go to the, he didn't go to the funeral of his father. His father died. He took his million dollars. He went to the casino. And he played for half a year. He lost the whole million dollars. Now he had no food, but he wanted to stay in the casino still, and he wanted to get money. So how do you play without money? He went to borrow. So there was a butcher was part of a whole gang, of really, of cutthroats, sounds funny for a butcher, but he, he went and he borrowed a lot of money from this butcher, and he went to, and he gambled this money, and he lost it. And then he went and he borrowed money from the mafia, and he gambled the money, and he lost it. And he went to his friends that he had supported all the time, he asked them for food, I'm sorry I can't help you, because now there was no, he wasn't going to give them any money, they didn't need him anymore, he had nothing, and nobody would give him food, and he lived on the streets, and... The only reason that he was still alive and that the, the mafia and the butcher didn't kill him was because they, everyone knew that at the end of the year, he's going to get back to the house. And when he gets back to the house, he has six hours in that house. And in that house was silver and jewels and paintings that this millionaire had. And they knew that if they wait and he gets into the house in six hours, he'll bring out all this money, he'll pay them all back. So why would they kill him? So the year came up and the police came to him. On the, he was in the park bench and they walked over to him and said, here's your keys. Get to the house, you have six hours. In six hours, we're taking you out of that house. Whatever you can take out of that house in the next six hours is yours. So he comes to the house and he comes to the front door. And of course, the butcher and all the mobsters are standing there. And they're like, don't forget, we want our money. You come out of this house without our money in six hours. We're going to chop you into little pieces. And we're going to mail all those pieces to all your relatives. So this kid was very scared, but he's going to go into the house and he's going to get all this money. Says the the following. So, he comes into the house, he opens the door to the garden, and he sees, everything's broken, everything's all over the place. He says, look what happened to my father's palace. He opens the second door to the house, Legamri. There's nothing in the house. Just mice. That's it. There's mice running around the house. No paintings, no silver, no furniture, no carpets. Nothing. He says in his heart, I'm going to go upstairs to my father's book room, to his den, and I knew that he had bought svarim, Jewish books that were very expensive. I'll sell his books. So he goes up, and he opens up the door, and all that's in the room is a broken down table. And on that table is a miktav, is a letter from his father. I have to read you this letter. And this is what the letter says. Yadati bini Yadati. Now this father wrote this a year before when he died. I know, my son, I know. <speaking in Hebrew> that you have come here today, <speaking in Hebrew> That there's a bunch of people waiting at the front door. <speaking in Hebrew> That if you don't pay them, they're gonna kill you in a very weird way. The father wrote a year before. Ulachain <speaking> and therefore at sasi, my advice to you is, Shetala lamaal levechede Go upstairs to the attic. Sham muchan kardom. I prepared for you in the attic, a gallows. Imkise, <speaking in Hebrew> with a chair. Kedai <speaking in Hebrew> what you should do, Shetala <speaking in Hebrew> al-kise, get up on the chair. Put your neck into the noose, Ti ka Kaise, kick away the shirt and the chair, put the Shar Talloi, and remain hanging. And that way you'll die. Shamapak is Thomassina. At least in the attic you'll die quietly and privately. Take aer in the room. The wife sumlessly examined Misa Masuna, and at least you won't have to die and be cut into little pieces. In a very weird death, Takashi De Akzama Ela under the hands of the people that are waiting for you downstairs. Father wrote this a year before this happened. When the boy wrote, read this letter from his father, he realized his father was right. He thought about it, and he decided to die quietly and privately, and not to be killed in public. Alla Lama, he went up to the attic, and he saw the gallow, the string that was hanging, Mukhan prepared eid And on the chair, there was another letter. And he's thinking in his heart, okay, dad pulled this off, and this letter is going to tell me where all the money is. You know? He wasn't really, he didn't really want me to hang myself. he opened up the letter of and on the letter was written, Say havidoy. The thing that a person says when he admits all his sins in front of God before he dies. Ba'irech, the full lance, ashamnu, baganu, gazannu, I sinned, I stole, hevinu, all the various that he did. olive. That all these years, his father told him what to do and he didn't listen to him. Hitzchel, of the demois kamayim. The tears flow down his face like water. Ba'amar, and he said, ashamnu, bagannu, I have sinned, I have sinned. Ubachraina. And in the end he said, Yeehi should be the will of God, should me sasai That my death should be my forgiveness. A kola beirusha and all the sins that I did. All the Machalai Mekhila Gamurah, my father should forgive me of full forgiveness, the Gamma Khajba and God should forgive me of full forgiveness. Hichnes Taborai, he stuck his neck, the in the in the noose, the Simcha with great happiness. Dokabetz Aqisei, he kicked away the chair. Pisaim Nuflahat Tigra olav, and there his neck was broken and he died. No. That's not what happened. Pisaim wanted to see a reaction. I don't know what's going on over here. Pisaim Nuflahat Tigra Olav when he swung on the beam, the whole beam came down. The string, the beam, and him all fell to the ground. And he was alive. Because the beam was sawed off by his father that it wouldn't be stick there and it would come down. And a letter floated down from the beam. sham, And the following was written there. My lovely, beloved son. The only way you could read this letter is if you had accepted to die with happiness. I am sure that if you're reading this letter, you feel bad for everything that you have done. Therefore, I commanded you to do tshuva, that you should live, and you shouldn't die in this world or in the next world. Because God doesn't want death. Teda bani, you should know my son, Shabagina. Go down to the garden, Karen Zavas, in the corner. Sham Tiftach, open it up, Atira, you will find, and kolo Aisha Shali, you will find all the treasures of mine hidden. Mizat the Shalim kolo Chayvet, Asher, pay back those people, and now you are rich. Tikach la Isha, get married, Betaker Savicha, and recognize your father following my way, that you saw, how you should, you should treat God in my and how you should treat other people. this young boy became like a new creation. he ran to the garden he found everything that was written in the letter. and he understood how wise his father was, that he didn't let him die. He realized who his real friends are. Oh, Ay, yeah, yeah, sometimes you have to have that noose around your neck to know who your real friends are. And which way he should go. He did tshuva for the good. And he became like his father. And everybody in town did not understand. What happened to him? He came from one end and he came to the other end. And he became one of the most important people in that city. Don't wait until the noose is around your neck to understand that HaKadosh Baruch and Shemayim and that our parents, they are the wise ones and that our Rebbe's and our teachers, they are the wise ones and that the Torah is the wise one. Don't wait till the last second of life when a person's life is leaving this world to find out that everything you've learned and everything you've been told from the Torah that is right is really right. Because not always does the beam fall to the floor. Do tshuva now. Don't wait till it's too late. Tonight, Shir was given in the tshus that Kushboka should help a young girl, Vered bat Esther, to take her out of the claws of those terrible people that have found her on Facebook and want to take her soul away from Yiddishkeit and bring it into witchcraft and into Tummah, would be a very big thing. We've tried everything that we can. every Everyone that knows what they're doing, and we haven't been successful. And I think the only way to get this neshama back and to save her from going to where she wants to go is to do the opposite of sinas chinam, to do ahavas chinam. Ahavas chinam means to show love to another Jew for no reason at all. No one in this room knows who this girl is. No one in this room is a relative of this girl. No one in this room has a reason to help this girl just because she's a Jewish neshama. So if everyone here could take on something, at least for the next for the nine days, or maybe for a year, or maybe for the rest of their life, to take on something, to change something in their life, to save this holy, holy neshama, mamish, that is going to be taken by witches, by black magic, by the tuma of the other side that is so powerful. For this girl is pure. She has never done anything bad in her life. They're not getting a neshama that's scarred or that did something. This is pure heroin for them. This is a pure neshama that they went after. And she got trapped on that Shmutzadikah Yamach Shemoy Facebook. She got trapped. She went there to find friends, and they found her. And we have tried everything in our known power to stop it, and they're just too powerful. What's her name? So I'm asking everybody here to just take on a tehillim, take on a mitzvah, take on a time not to speak Lashon Hara. Just tell Hashem, because HaKadosh Baruch was the only one that could pull her out of this to tell Hashem to help Vered, Rivka, Bas, Esther, that we will do anything to save one of our sisters. And in the merit of Avas Chinam, we'll cure the Sinat Chinam, and we'll see Mashiach, and Tishabob will be a Yontif, and will be a Meina You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.